Welcome back to another episode of Nach Daily. Today, we're actually beginning Megillus Esther with the first parak. Let's jump right in. The Megillah opens with the famous words, This happened in the days of Achashverosh, the same Achashverosh who ruled over 127 promises from India to Ethiopia. Rashi already explains on the words, who Achashverosh. He was the same evil Achashverosh from the beginning of the Megillah until the end of the story. Many of the Meforshim explain, based on the Gemara, how Achashverosh ruled with force over the entire world at that time. The Radmad Wali explains how Achashverosh represented the complete side of Tumah that he was made the Rosh, head of. This is what it meant. He was Rosh Rishao Mitchila Ve'ad Sofo, meaning through and through he was evil. The Radmar Wali also goes on to explain the reason why Achashverosh's name is written twice in the opening Pasuk is to teach Hisar Shalmaila, governing angel above, was bigger than all the other governing angels in the realm of evil. So the double name hints to Achashverosh's Sar Shalmaila, which, du- which was doubly as big as the other ones. However, I once saw in the Kamarna Rebbe's commentary the following. Achashverosh is really a permutation for Hashem's name. As in the Pasuk, Ani Rishon, Ani Achron, meaning Hashem is the same Hashem throughout the entire story. From the lowest to the highest of all the worlds, Hashem was with the Jewish people. As Achashverosh was just a pawn in Hashem's hand, and ultimately even Tumah and evil is not separate from God. Additionally, the Megillah opens with the words Vayahi, while the Medrash points out any story which begins with with the words Vayihi connotes negativity. While it should be noted the word Vayihi is the same letters of Hashem's name, Yudke Vavke, which again shows how despite what it looked like in a revealed manner, God was with the Jewish nation in a hidden way. Moving on in the Megillah, in the third year of his reign, Achashverosh established his throne in the capital of Shushan. The Targum Sheni goes into great detail describing how Achashverosh went through great lengths to sit on the throne of Shlomo HaMelech and described its ornate magnificence. Being this throne was unmovable, it delayed Achashverosh three years to make his inauguration party until he actually moved the capital city of Persia to Shushan where he set up his kingship. Achashverosh made two parties. The first one was for 180 days for officials, governors, and ministers, while this was immediately followed by a second party for a week-long feast for the rest of the people in Shushan. No one was excluded. The Pesukim described the grand opulence of the party. The wine was flowing. Each person got to drink wine as old as they were, while hanging on the walls were trelet blue, crimson red, argamon, and purple wool tapestries. One of the main reasons for the heavenly decree against the Jews at that time was because the Jews benefited from the Sudas Achashverosh. Keep in mind, Achashverosh uses the cups and flatware from the Beis HaMikdash. The Jews knew very well they were using the vessels of the Beis HaMikdash, but didn't stop them from going. This shows how low the nation had sunk in and what a spit in the face, so to speak, to Hashem going to this party was. In Psukim 9 through 12, the story delves into Vashti's rebellion. Vashti simultaneously had her own party just for women. The Malbim on his famous piece on the Megillah goes into great length explaining this. 
this, but essentially says how Ahasuerus was really a commoner who rose to power. His only claim to the throne was through Queen Vashti, who was the great-granddaughter of Nebuchadnezzar. Essentially, Ahasuerus wanted to become ruler with absolute, unyielding power where he wouldn't have to answer up to anyone. Vashti knew very well what his intentions were, which in reaction to, she made her own party as a way to show Ahasuerus your only claim to power is me. The Gra notes Vashti's party was really a shalokadarachateva, unnatural, because the whole reason why Vashti made a party was to rally the strength of the people so she wouldn't get overthrown by Ahasuerus, but yet she made it just for women. This was Hashem's hand behind the scenes because the killing of Vashti set the stage for Esther to come into power. Then on the seventh day, while Ahasuerus was drunk, he summoned Vashti to come naked to his party. This was done in an attempt to diminish her and assert himself as the absolute ruler. Again, she knew his true intentions and refused to come. While Ahasuerus was seething with anger, he consulted his advisors on how to handle the situation. In verse 16, in an advisor named Mamuchan, which Chazal tells us was really Haman because he was Mamuchan Lepronios, prepared for damage had the audacity to speak up and stoke the coals. Muhammad's claim was Vashti's refusal to come was a clear message to all the women in the country to not listen to their husbands. Therefore, Ahasuerus should have her killed to counteract the damage she's done. Then you should find another queen for yourself. Ahasuerus liked this advice. Had Vashti killed, then sent out letters to his kingdom saying, every man should be the ruler of his own home and the wife should speak the same language as her husband. On this, the Gemara in Megillah 12b says, If not for the first letters, people wouldn't have listened to the second letters about the removal of the decree on the Jews. The reason why Ahasuerus liked the idea of killing Vashti is because by killing her, he would finally become an absolute ruler with unyielding power. This would enable him to find a new queen, meaning Ahasuerus was manipulating the well-established laws of the land to his own benefit. Stay tuned to the next episode of Nach Daily. Now the stage is set for the rest of the Megillah to unfold. We'll be starting the second paragraph in the next year. Thank you for listening and have a wonderful day.